So glad to see you online, so glad to see you on campus. As you can see, there are people that are sitting around you that have these I Have Decided shirts on, and we just need to explain that, that these are people that are now going to start rooting for the teams that I like in the Super Bowl. <laughs> just, I'm, no, I'm, just, no, I'm just kidding. They're not really going to do that. They're going to get baptized today, so that's going to be really, really exciting. So we're going to be starting a two-part series this weekend called Priorities, and, and there are two priorities for the local New Testament church. One is baptism. We're going to talk about that today. And then the other one is communion. We'll talk about that next weekend and then partake of it together. It's going to be a very exciting thing. So today what we're going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to kind of walk you through Romans chapter 6 because this is my contention. Romans chapter 6 is really the explanation of what baptism represents. And in my opinion, it is the uh, Romans chapter 6 is really the, is, the, is the passage that describes with the Christian life how it works and what it is. And uh, it's so good. It's so powerful. It was something that I, I memorized the entire chapter as a young believer. And it has served me well all the days of my life. And so we're just going to walk through Romans chapter 6 today. And I trust that you will kind of lean forward into this because there's some, there's some amazing, awesome truth in Romans chapter 6, that will be life-changing for you if you really grab a hold of what is actually here. So let's start with uh, verse 1. We're going to talk about two things. We're going to talk about the believer's new relationship to sin, and then we're going to talk about the believer's new relationship to Jesus. And the, both of these things are so good. In verse 1 it says, Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Stop there. Paul is taught... Uh, believers, that when sin abounds, grace does much more abound. In other words, God always, there's, there's, never, there's never an exhaustion of God's grace. When you sin, God applies his grace, and it's a beautiful thing. And so Paul now is giving some further instruction because he's, you know, he is thinking, well, maybe some of these people are thinking that I should, if, you know, if that's the case, then I should just go on sinning because God's grace would be amazing. Well, then he says, you should... Uh, the question is, well then, should we keep on sinning so that, that you can show us more and more of your wonderful grace? And then the, the answer is, of course not. That is, in the Greek language, that is the strongest negative particle that there is. Absolutely not. Heck no. Fill in any blank you want there, but the answer is absolutely not a no. There's no way that you should continue to sin. How can we continue to live in it? So the answer is, uh, since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? In this process of sin. So how does it, what does it mean that the believer has died to sin? That's a phrase that is in the Bible. So what does it mean that, a, that the believer has died to sin? That's what we're going to look at first, because if you don't understand that, that is going to mess up your Christian life. You've just got to understand what's in Romans chapter 6. So let's start with what it doesn't mean first, okay? So what it doesn't mean is that the believer cannot commit acts of sin. That's, it doesn't mean that. Because you and I are living proof that we can commit acts of sin, right? How many of you sinned this week? Come on, just raise your hand. The rest of you sinned right now by lying to God in the midst of this service. And you should repent of it right now. So the second thing it doesn't mean is, mean is that the believer should die to sin. This is past tense. Notice with me that the Bible says here, since we have died to sin. This is something that has already happened in our lives. The moment we come to Jesus... We have died to sin. 
And this is such a beautiful thing. So what does it mean? If it doesn't mean that uh, we should die to sin, what does it mean? So let me see if I can explain it to you this way. What it means, I believe, is that it's the, it's the termination of relationship. So you and I now have, as believers, we have no relationship to sin. It's a foreign thing for us. It's an intrusion. It's an invader. It's not part of who we are in our nature, in our makeup. It is just, and by the way, that's why when you and I sin, it affects us so greatly because this is so foreign. So I want to take just a moment and explain why that is and kind of give you some illustrations of that. So if you think about death in itself, death results in no relationship. So this past year, I lost my brother to cancer. He died in October of last year. And up until that point, for the last 30 years, my brother every year would call me on my birthday. And guess what this year? No birthday call. You know why? Because death terminates relationship, at least for my brother and I, on a temporary basis. In the same way, because what Christ has done for us on the cross, I have then no relationship to sin. It is a foreign thing. It's an invasion. It's an intrusion into my life. So it's like this. Let's say that a burglar breaks into my house and uh, starts stealing my stuff and then comes and knocks on my bedroom door, opens the door and say, hey, uh, would you like to have coffee with me next week? That would just be kind of weird, don't you think? You know, this is an intruder in my life. That's how sin is to the believer. It's like this. Every once in a while, I'll get a pimple on my face, okay? I'm in my 60s. I get a pimple on my face. What's up with that? I'm not 13. Has that ever happened to anybody else? I'm just saying. And normally, I find it on Saturday night. It's this big red zit right in my forehead. I know I'm going to be under the cameras. And so, you know, I, I, I'm just going, what is up with that? That's how, that's the nature of sin. Honestly, it's an intrusion. It doesn't belong there. It, it's there, but it doesn't belong there. It shouldn't be there. That's how sin is in our life. So what's my relationship to sin? The Bible said, I've died to sin. I have died to sin. I no longer have a relationship. That's why now I have the power, listen to this carefully, I have the power not to sin. I don't always use it. But every believer has the power not to sin because of what Christ did for us on the cross severed the relationship, and now I have this amazing new relationship with Jesus. That's verses one and two. Now we get to verse number three, and this is, this is the new relationship that we have to Christ. This is the second life-transforming truth that's in our text today. In Romans chapter three, it says, or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ, Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death. So stop there. Don't think of, we're going to baptize some folks in just a few minutes. But in this passage, don't think of water baptism right now. This is far deeper than that. This is, this is more than that. So let me read the verse again. Or have you forgotten Then we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism? That is in, in immersion. We have joined him in his death. So baptism, when a person is baptized, and you know, normally in the non-COVID area, era, we normally take, use the water and take them down into the water, watch for bubbles, and then we pull them back up, <laughs> right? And, and because, here's the deal, it is a picture of our death, burial, and resurrection with Jesus. That's what we're proclaiming when we get baptized. So Paul is reminding these believers, have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we have joined him in his death? 
For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live these new lives. So the believer, listen to this carefully, the believer, the one who has stepped over the line of faith, the believer now is inseparably united with Jesus. I, when the Father sees me, he sees me through his Son. I am united together in Christ's greatest moment, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Now, there are three critical truths that come out of that. First of all, because, that, because of that, because I am united inseparably, that's the key word, because I cannot be separated from Jesus, there are three things that come out of that. First of all, that makes me accepted before the Father because every time the Father looks at me, he sees me through his Son who died for me and has forgiven me. So I have this great acceptance before the Father. And the second thing that comes out of this is that I have then this great security. Think about that. How more secure could you be than you are united inseparably to Jesus? that the Father cannot see you apart from him and that that is your, now, your new position. And then out of that flows the idea that I am now significant. I mean, what greater significance could you have? This isn't based on how much money you have or what kind of clothes you have or where you shop or what kind of car you drive or what neighborhood you live in or what color of skin you have or, or whatever you might put classes of people into. This is based on the fact that Jesus died, was buried, and resurrected. This is a beautiful truth, and it makes me significant. It gives me a significance that is indescribable with words. And so this is what it also means. When I think about the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that's what God paid for me with. So that means that I have this worth that is imputed to my life. I'm worth God's son. That's the payment. That's the price. And so now I have acceptance and worth and all the things, I have security, all these things. That's the result of being inseparably united with Jesus Christ. It is powerful. And then we come to verse 10. It says, when he died, he died once to break the power of sin. And amen to that? He broke the power of sin, not just in penalty, but in presence. He broke the power of sin. But now that he lives, he also lives to the glory of God. So you also should consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Powerful verse. The Bible teaches us that not only did Christ die for sin, he died to sin. So here's what we need to know. Because Christ has no relationship to sin, we have no relationship to sin. That's why, again, it is such a foreign thing for us when we actually commits, commit acts of sin. So then what do, I need, what do I need to know here? First of all, I need to know that the old self, that old nature inside of me was crucified. It was put to death. And I was given a brand new nature at the moment of my salvation. And so I now have a choice of which nature I'm going to live out of. The old one's dead, but its residue is still alive. Its influence is still alive. But, it, but the truth is, the old man is crucified. And the second thing that I need to know is sin is rendered powerless in my life. It's rendered powerless. The only power that sin has in my life is what I give to it. It's based on my own personal choices. I have the power not to sin. Now, I'm not suggesting that everyone reaches that lofty goal, 
because we all have this weak willpower, but the truth is, is that every time I sin, I was never forced to, I was never made to, it was because as a believer, I chose to. Sin has been made powerless in my life, so I now can live in a manner that's glorifying to God and powerful in this life. So the theme then of Romans chapter six, this is unbelievable. The theme of Romans 6 is the victory that the believer has. It is amazing victory. In Christ, I know that I have the power not to sin. So let me ask you this question. How many of, have you, how many of you all have ever heard the term winning hands down? Oh yeah, I won that hands down. Probably used that along the way. At least maybe you've heard it. At least people from my generation use that all the time. Yeah, hands down won. That means you won by a mile, not even close. Do you know where that phrase came from? It's a really interesting phrase. It came from the racetrack, actually horse racing. And it was a phrase that was used about a jockey that would get so far ahead of all the rest of the racers that he would let go of the reins, put his hand down, and let the horse run the rest of the race. Won it hands down. That's where that phrase came from. So Christ, Christ, no doubt, has won the victory for us, hands down, hands down, by a mile. Christ has won the victory for us. That's the theme of Romans chapter 6, and it is so powerful. Christ has won this victory, hands down. Then we come to verse 5. Can't forget verse 5. Since we have been united with him in his death, we have also been raised to life as he was. So the absurd and exhilarating good news of the gospel is our identity is no longer based on our behavior. It's based upon Jesus' behavior. Now, don't miss that. My identity is no longer based on my behavior because my wife will tell you sometimes I have bad behavior. <laughs> my identity is based around the fact that Jesus has great behavior. And what's interesting is that we are called saints in the Bible. You are called a saint. I can't believe this. I'm going to ask God when I get to heaven about this, but because I, I know some of you, and you, he calls you saints. <laughs> and what the word saint means is made, made holy. And the moment, the, listen to me, the moment you get saved, the moment you fall on your knees, the moment you say yes to Jesus, God confers upon you sainthood. You don't have to wait till you die. You don't have to wait until you've done some miraculous deed. You today, as a believer, as a child of God, are, have sainthood. It's, it's a powerful thing. I'm a saint. I'll be a saint for a million years. I can never lose that. I'm going to be a saint forever and ever and ever. And, you know, here's what's amazing. Uh, well, let me just say a story first. Oftentimes I hear this. You probably have heard it too. Uh, people who have, who have loved ones who have died, and they say, you know, about Christians, God must have needed another angel in heaven, right? Have you ever heard that? Well, I'm going to tell you this. Listen to me very carefully. An angel would be a downgrade. It would be. Because the highest order of man, or the highest order that God has created is man. And the highest order of man are those who have been saved. So I'm a saint forever and ever and ever for a million years, for a, a trillion years, I'll be a saint. Nothing can, nothing can take that away from me or take away from you. You are, have this brand new identity because of Romans chapter six is what it says. 
And, and so we are just called these saints. The reason sin is so painful to the believer is because all that is true. And now as a saint, I'm acting contrary to my nature. That's why sin is such a painful thing. God makes us new from the inside out. His changes aren't temporary changes. His changes are, ter- are permanent. And so what do I need to do then? If this passage is true, what do I need to do? And the answer to that is that I need to consider. This won't be on the screen. This is verse 11. Look it up later. Let me just read it to you. This is what verse 11 says. So you also should consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. That's verse 11. The word consider there is an accounting term. Move the ledger. Count it to be true. Put it in the right column. Consider yourself, this is what you should do every day. You should get up and consider yourself dead to sin because that's who you are and alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the first thing. The second thing that passage says to do is to yield. So I can consider it to be true and now I yield to God. Verse 13, give yourselves completely to God. Why wouldn't you want to? If this is all true, why wouldn't you want every day to get up and say, God, whatever pleases you, that's what I want to do. Give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have, you have new life. It's the good life. It's the beautiful life. And here's the good news is now we're going to get to water baptism. Water baptism is a picture of all that. It's a picture of our death to sin, our life in Christ, our union, our inseparable union with Jesus. And now when I get baptized, what I'm doing is I'm proclaiming that. Baptism is a picture of this identification, and it's a beautiful thing. The Bible teaches when you are baptized, it's a symbol of our death, burial, and resurrection with Jesus. So here's the deal. You know why death, this is so good. Do you know why death has no sting? Because you already died. You just, you're just walking around in this corpse right now. Some better than others. But the truth is, is that you already died. According to this passage, maybe I'm reading it wrong, but according to this passage, I've, I've died with Christ, been buried with him, and I've raised again, and now I have this newness of life, and I'm just waiting for that time when Jesus comes back and redeems this earth suit. I mean, that's all I'm waiting for. Because that's why death has no sting to the believer is because I'm already dead. If I get that, I lose the fear of death in my life the rest of my life. If I get that I've already died and now Christ is living inside of me. So baptism doesn't cause any of, uh, so as you think about this, think about baptism. Baptism in itself doesn't cause any of those things to be true. It simply declares that they have happened. When I get baptized, I'm just declaring, so I'm not making it happen, I'm just saying to the audience, I believe that I've died, I've been buried, and I've been risen again with Christ Jesus. To say one must uh, be baptized in order to be saved is like saying you have to be buried in order to be dead. Think about that. No, you're buried because death has already occurred. That's why you bury people, because death has already occurred. Burial does not cause death, it declares death. Baptism does not cause salvation, it declares salvation. That's what it is. It's a declaration of the salvation. So there are some people in shirts that are out there. They're going to be baptized. But let me just address anybody in the audience that you, you've heard what I've said. You're saved. You know that Jesus died for your sins. And you know your next step is to be baptized. You know you can do it today. 
All you have to do, this is all you have to do. We've got clothes for you. We do. We didn't shop at the highest stores, but we've got clothes for you. You know, Lululemon, we didn't, we didn't go there. I'm just saying, we didn't buy clothes there. But we have some clothes for you, and you can get up, and we're going to do a song. I won't do it. They'll do it. You know, that's good news for you. And uh, the truth is, is that you can get up right now, and you can go back in, to the back of the, the auditorium here, and uh, you can come from the bleachers and come back to the auditorium, and, and we'll get you some clothes, and you can come down and you can declare with everybody else that is getting baptized today, I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe that I, my life was, I'm dead and buried with him and that I've been raised again to new, newness of life. You can declare that today if you want to. I mean, it's just, it's a beautiful thing and I would encourage you, I'm, I'd encourage you to just do it. Don't, don't put it off. And you know who I'm talking to because your heart's racing right now. You know what I mean? You're just, your heart's pounding and you're going, oh, I know I should. Should I or shouldn't I? I'm saying should. Should do it. Should do it. I'm saying should do it. Because it's a great next step for you. So let's all stand together and let's sing while those pe people get ready for baptism. And then you'll watch this beautiful picture. <laughs> 